It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, when it comes to footballing CVs, there are few who could match our next guest. Uh, he is a graduate of Corpus Christi College here in Perth in Bateman. Uh, as a youngster, was a promising middle distance runner before pouring his attention into his footy. He was then uh, drafted from East Fremantle as a teenager uh, and went on to win three AFL premierships with the Brisbane Lions. He is a three-time All-Australian, a three-time club champion, a Norm Smith medalist, a 300-gamer. He's in the AFL Hall of Fame as well, and the list goes on and on. As I mentioned, hard to find anyone with a more impressive footballing pedigree than my next guest. Since hanging up the boots, uh, he's been a successful coach at the Brisbane Lions. He's also even had a crack at reality TV, among other things. So uh, plenty to get through in the next hour or so. Let's say hello and welcome to Simon Black. Hello, Simon. How are you? G'day, Tim. Yeah, nice to be with you. I'm, I'm very well. Thank you. Now, we've lost you to, uh, to Queensland for a long time now. Uh, can we still call you a West Australian? <laughs> Yes, you certainly can, mate. I've, I've always um, very much uh, regarded myself as a sand graper. Um, although I was born in Mount Isa, I think I left Queensland when I was about uh, 12 months old. So um, certainly my well, my baby years and my formative years were, were there in Perth. And so I'm a proud West Aussie. I just wish I had, had the opportunity to play for WA. Um, we started state of origin, but I think I was about 10 years too um, born too late. But mm. um, yeah, I'm certainly a, a proud West Aussie. Are we ever going to lure you back here, Simon? Oh, this is the – so married to Brisbane girl. This is my trouble, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, – look. understand. Say no more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it's um, – they're pretty similar, Perth and, and Brisbane in some respects. I mean, a bit further to get to a nice ocean in, in Brisbane than it is to – in Perth, but um, yeah, look at this point in time, I've flirted with the idea, and uh, I keep getting blocked at the moment. So I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep chipping away over time. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's go back to you, uh, your early days here. Then, I mean, yeah, obviously you, you wouldn't remember um, the family upping sticks in Mount Isa and moving over to the west, but I'm sure you've heard uh, the, the stories. Why? What what brought the family from rural Queensland over to the other side of the country? Yeah, well, my mum was uh, West Australian. She's from Perth, from Fremantle Way, and my dad was a Kiwi. Um, yep. And so I, I guess um, my dad left New Zealand when he was about 18 or 19 and and uh, met mum in Perth and they got married and so I guess they, they did a lot of travelling, but, yeah, they certainly did some travelling around Australia and um, up the East Coast. And, um, yeah, I was obviously uh, – mum was pregnant with me and they were they were travelling um, through Mount Isa and spent – I guess they might have spent 18 months or two years in Mount Isa and – 
and I was uh, yeah born in Mount Eisner, and they I think it's just another twelve months thereafter that they mm. left and decided to come back to WA and, and Mum being from Perth, I think they were always going to end up in in Perth and. Um, yeah, so I think Dad had a like a fruit juice run, Good Elf Fruit Juice, which was like a franchise in, um, in, in I think I think back in that era in the late seventies, and and but they lo- actually loved Mount Isa. It was a really of all big places to community. end up in. Um, Greg Norman was born there. And, yeah, yeah, and Pat Rafter was born there, and um, but they said yeah, they, they really enjoyed it. So, but yeah, look, uh, moving back to Perth and growing up in in, in Perth was a was a, uh, a yeah great place to to grow up and, and feeling fortunate to have been. Raised in an AFL Aussie Rules city, um, yeah. Not sure I might have played at Aussie Rules if, it, if I'd grown up in Queensland. Probably not. Certainly not in, in Mount Isa. Uh, you might have played tennis <laughs> or golf instead, though. Having uh, you know heard the names that you've just uh, dropped then as being the famous uh, sons of of Mount Isa, I'm sure they'll add you to the list uh, quite happily as well, uh, Simon. But uh, tell us about your early memories. Um, you know, growing up in Perth playing footy, loving the game, you know, the players that you love to watch, the club you supported. What are some of those early strong memories you have of, of footy here in Perth? Yeah, I, I actually played rugby before I played Aussie Rules because Dad's background down at Palmyra. Um, but I went to Yadara Catholic College there in Bateman and uh, and all my mates at school were obviously right into Aussie Rules. And I just remember us at, at lunchtime just playing whether it was kick to kick, the old hang, trying to take hangers on each other, or, mm. um, or three three versus three on the oval, and and just running around, just loving, you know, loving kicking the ball and chasing the footy around with your mates, and grew for a real passion for the game. I went down to um, Bull Creek Lehman and played at that junior club um, from the age of nine because my brother, uh, I've got a brother Ben who's two years older, and he was playing. Mum and Dad always said I always used to love carrying a ball around wherever I went and it was probably any any ball really I played a lot of basketball and um did a lot of different sports uh, growing up and um and but yeah Aussie rules just always had a, a really strong place in my heart there's just mm. something about the game of the the athletic side of it being able to run and the skill element and then the physical nature of it as well I just always I just always um yeah I just had a burning desire I slept with a footy and I was one of those sort of nothing yeah kids. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and just yeah grew up loving it but uh, yeah. Did you did you, your Kiwi rugby loving dad have any problem with you uh, gravitating more towards footy? <laughs> well, he he grew to love the game too. He was probably yeah. a little bit. He never played Aussie rules when he came to to Perth um, as probably a nineteen year old. Um, I think he might have played a bit of down in Palmyra, a bit of rugby, but um, yeah. But he he I always sort of said he I wish he'd grown up in Australia because he he would get down the park. And he'd been in his mid fifties, and he'd he'd dead set kick the ball, but the footy better than I would. So he's a natural, <laughs> um, a natural kick of the ball, and um, but uh, he never played. So, um, but so uh, yeah, we 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 certainly used to love watching the Wallabies play, and and yeah. I still keep an interest on in rugby these days as well. Yeah, tell me through your uh, teenage years. I know you were um, a student at Corpus Christi. Uh, you showed some some great promises, an eight hundred and and fifteen hundred uh, meter runner as well um was it ever a, a case of kind of devoting your time to one or the other because as i understand it you you know you're you're pretty darn good uh, at those distances particularly oh no tim i wasn't that good mate to be honest i mean <laughs> i think um i think yeah i look i, I would have been i was competitive i guess and i went to the national carnival in the teenage years a couple of times but yeah I, I, there's no way i would have um 
made the Australian team and, and, and you know, made the Commonwealth Games or anything like that, for instance. I don't think I was, I was in, that, in that league. But um, Gia was fantastic for my footy development. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, Aussie rules is such a running game and being able to push yourself on the athletics track certainly um, uh, lends itself to helping you out in the footy field. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was great. If you ask most footballers, I think you say, when do they, when do they get most nervous? It's, it's probably when they're lining up for, you know, a two or a three K time trial against their mates <laughs> in pre-season. And, yeah. and that's essentially what middle distance running is, isn't it? So it was, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was great. I used to get really, I used to get really nervous pre-game, um, you know, playing footy. So I think that experience helped me a lot. Um, my, yeah. my little athletics days. Yeah. Um, from school then, uh, you were picked up uh, in the in the fold there for East Fremantle. Um, tell me about your, your, your time there. Obviously, uh, it was from there onto the Brisbane Lions. So some, some formative years there uh, at the Sharks. What are your, your strong memories of that time? Yeah, Tim, I was just so fortunate to be part of a great, um, great waffle club in that time. And we had a, had a really good development program at East Fremantle um, back then. And... Um, you know, we had a lot of guys get drafted in that sort of two or three year period that that I went through. Um, you know, Tark and Lockie is the Cowboys, Phil Reed, um, who else have forgotten? Benny Cousins was a few years before us. Um, and there's a few that have slipped my mind right now. Um, but yeah, it was a great just a, had a great feel about about the club at that time and the senior side was strong. Um, the year ninety seven that I got drafted, the the league team lost to um, the Bulldogs in a in a derby and the grand final. Which is a, was a, it was a massive, it was a great, great <laughs> final, I must say. But the Bulldogs got a hold of us. Um, but yeah, look, I'm, I only play two league league games off the bench. I was very, very skinny. Um, play a lot of Colts and and reserves down there. Um, and as I said, we were quite a mature, quite a fair few Victorians. Sharks that era. And Tony McCarr was the senior coach. He's a great. Uh, he's got a great standing in West Australian as a as a coach, as you know, I'm sure. And, he was a fantastic uh, leader and mentor of, of of the whole footy club, and it just had a really professional feel around it. And I think they got their act together with a, a really good development program. And I remember Andrew Lockyer and I think Paul Harding um, were a part of that back then as well. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just great memories, great great environment, great culture. Yeah. Um, I guess I was one of those guys that um, so I, I didn't play sport for about twelve months when I was oh, I guess sixteen. Um, I had Shulman's disease in my spine and it's, I guess, where it's sort of where a couple of your vertebrae don't form um, correctly and I was, in, I was in a lot of pain um, and uh, and I had to, probably 15 I was, 15 sort of slash 16, yeah, and, and had to sort of step away from sport for, for 12 months and that was really, I guess, frustrating time. I wanted to play for, have a crack at playing for WA in the 16th National Carnival and couldn't do that. And then, um, and then I guess, yeah, when I got healthy again with my back, I had a little bit of time to play a bit of Colts and reserves and, and then I was lucky to get um, to play for WA in that under 18 um, competition in the National Carnival in 1997. Yeah. But uh, yeah, up until that point, I, I really didn't think I was going to get drafted. So um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting period. Um, we'll talk about you uh, getting picked up uh, in the draft. I think as you, re- you know, we reflect over the years, um, those standout draft picks you were number 31 um you know everyone has high hopes of the the, the top five maybe has less hope of of a, of a pick number 31 but you're sort of one of those stories where pick number 31 maybe turned out to be the pick of the year so uh, we'll get into that uh, right after we take a break simon black is our special guest this is inspiring stories back with more in a moment you're listening to inspiring stories for bower and o'day 
Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the story of AFL champion Simon Black. Uh, Simon, uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, you know your days at uh, at East Fremantle. Um, you find yourself as number thirty-one uh, in the draft. Uh, back, uh, we're talking what nineteen ninety-seven. Um, pick number thirty-one, Brisbane Lions. Yeah, there you are. You're off to Brisbane. Is it as simple as that? Talk us through that day. <laughs> it's it's pretty mixed emotions. I, I think I was I was pretty well looked after at home, Tim. I didn't want to leave <laughs> my, my mistake. <laughs> um, and I've, I've said it lots of times. I was, I was an Eagles fan, but I was also you know a Fremantle fan as well, and would have loved to have played for either of those clubs. Um, I'm sure they would have loved uh, to have had you too. <laughs> uh, well, I guess in that era, the, the whole speed, um, you know, turning an athlete into a footballer, or that you know that I guess philosophy was pretty pretty prevalent, and um, um, I like to think I was an athlete, but just wasn't a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, speed was paramount for recruiters back then. So, so yeah, I, I remember West Coast saying that if unless you're there late in the draft, um, you know, we, we probably won't consider you. So, um, I probably thought Hawthorne was probably the most keen, but you don't really know. You know, when you're that yep. far down the list in the order of, I, I didn't know I was going to go in the 20s or in the 70s. and. It was Brisbane at 31, and I'd spoken to a few clubs in the lead-up, like I guess a lot of young players do. And um, and as I said, I probably thought Hawthorne were probably the, the keenest. But and then Brisbane calling, you know, Matt, you know, when you oh, well, maybe had a hunch towards Hawthorne, what were the emotions like? Yeah, it was just it was a bit of a blindside, a bit of a left field one actually. Um, funny, I had a I had a local. Um, uh, West Australian newspaper photographer in our land room, and he took this photo right at the moment that my name got caught out, and there's this picture of me, picture of me, with my 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 hand in my on my head, <laughs> looking looking shattered. <laughs> and when I arrived to, at the lines, the boys had put it up on the corkboard, and they, I went around meeting everyone. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're the guy that's obviously real thrilled to be here." Aren't <laughs> Very <laughs> so, funny. Uh, it took me a while to warm up in Brisbane, but. Uh, but yeah, no. Look, it's it's elation. Obviously, it's a lot of hard work that goes into to getting drafted. And um, for me, I really didn't think I'd have much of a, a long career. I, I just sort of set myself once I arrived to to really try to work hard and um, and 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 not not really not have regrets. For me, it was around not having regrets that I didn't sort of work hard enough and didn't give myself my best chance of of playing some regular senior footy. So. Um, I spent a bit, spent a fair bit of time just, um, I guess, tagging and following around Michael Voss um, and and Craig Lambert were probably the two who um, I, I really just wanted to learn as, as much from as I could. And mm. um, Vossie was great with me just over the preseason, over a couple of preseasons. Really, just at the end of training, we'd do some contested ball work, and I'm not sure to this day I ever beat him in a one-on-one contest, <laughs> mate. But <laughs> but he was very very accommodating with his time and. Um, and I guess I learned to use my my seventy eight kilos to the best of ability at the time. I guess. Yeah. Well, you mentioned before the, um, the the difficulties and the challenges with your your spinal condition. I mean, I suppose you were you were never uh, the bulkiest uh, footballer on the on the field. Did you find it hard to, I suppose, get your physique into a, a a place where you could handle just the week in week out demands of AFL footy and the you know and the and the contact, especially when you burrowing yourself in and under packs as you did did you find it hard to yeah, put on weight and, and keep it on 
I, I do, Tim. Yeah, very much so. One of those, yeah, lightweight body types. So um, it was a real effort to, to put on, you know, three or four kilos, let alone, you know, eight or ten. Um, it took a lot of time, a lot of um, a lot of work with nutritionists and those sorts of things. So, but you learn, learn little tricks, you know, like little. I remember just being really diligent about having a protein shake before bed at night and and every every single night just doing that, just a little thing and just getting really diligent around my snacks throughout the day around while I'm training and, um, and and so nutrition is all important. I think they say, you know, putting on muscle mass, it's almost 80% nutrition and 20% the actual weights you lift in the gym, which which sort of resonated with me. I was like, wow, that really that really is a, is a critical sort of stat, I guess. So, um, But I remember just when I arrived in Brisbane, just loving the professional environment and it really stirred on my, I guess, my competitiveness and really just, I loved it um, mm. and being able to just commit yourself to being the best athlete you could be and the best footy player was something that I just felt an absolute privilege to be able to do and um, jumped into it. And our first year, my first year in 98, um, I will, when I got drafted, I remember turning up at the footy, flying over with Bay McDonald, who was also a, a Perth boy that got drafted, a big ruckman, and Bowie and I, um, yeah, flew over together and, um, remember his mum was on the plane too, and she said to she said to him, she goes, Bo, if you if if you don't like it, it's all right. We'll, we'll just come back in a couple of weeks." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, sure, it really works that way." <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, he, he he just jumped into it too, and he did really well. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll forget where I was going there, mate. But um, no, we were right, just well, talking about. So first, I suppose you first you had a lot of injuries to the yeah. senior players, and got some opportunities there. Yeah, sorry, yeah, a lot of. Yeah, got some opportunity probably before I was, I was ready um, to, to play and managed to play nine games in my first year. And that was purely just because I had so many injuries to the senior players. And our, our, our coach, John Norley, got sacked, unfortunately, about round nine or ten rounds in. Um, so it was a really interrupted year. And, um, and then, obviously, uh, well, Lee, Lee Matthews came into that year and, and things turned around pretty quickly. Mm. When did you start to form that um, amazing partnership with your other midfield connections there. I mean, you were collectively known as uh, the Fab Four yourself, Michael Voss, uh, Nigel Lapp and Jason Ackermanis. I mean, what a midfield quartet. When did that start to really gel and lay the foundations for what was uh, just an incredible period for the Lions? Yeah, Tim, I think I got my opportunity in 99, my second year as an inside midfielder, and that was something I really wanted to, to try to, to do. And I know Craig Lambert was, the, I guess, the, the player that was coming towards the back end of his career, so there was a position that was likely to come up. And, um, and I, I mean, I was just in awe of Michael Voss, um, you know, the player he was and the impact he could have on the game and the contest, and to be able to play alongside him was an absolute treat and an absolute thrill. And, um, and so that was, yeah, probably my first opportunity in, and I played a fair bit of um, midfield in my second year um, with Nigel and Fossey and, and Acker as well. So, um, and, and over time, it probably I best describe it as almost feeling like, like brothers in the backyard playing together, um, where you know you just sort of knew where you're going to be. And I think we had a really nice mix of ball winning, someone putting their head over the ball, the ball winning aspect, and then you know the outside speed, whether it was Acker or Vossi, sorry, Acker or Nigel on the outside, and Vossi could probably do both. And I was only probably really good at just trying to get it in handball to someone, but um, we just we just had a nice little combination going, and uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was obviously a real privilege to be able to part be a yeah. part of that group. Uh, different skills and different personalities uh, as well. I suppose the um, you might say the strongest personality in there, the most willful one maybe, uh, is is Acker. How did you guys gel? 
you know, outside of the the footy field. Um, you know, was part of the chemistry that you had on the field because you all hung out and and did things together off field as well. Yeah, we certainly did. And I guess um, first thing I'll say about Acker is he's probably the greatest um, promoter of Aussie rules footy in Queensland and a non AFL state and, and city in Brisbane. And he did that incredibly well. Um, he obviously certainly loved the, loved the camera and loved the, loved the microphone, but he, he did oh, yeah. enormous for us uh, uh, for our game up here. So um, I think once he won the Brownlow, he, he, he thought he was, there was no rules; he could do whatever he wanted. But um, but now look, I, I get on fine with that. Even today, he's, he's good fun. Um, yeah. But it was for us as a playing group to be to be transparent and honest. It was just really some of the um, you know I guess within a footy team, there's some intimate information you don't really want released and um, I guess i.e. The, the broken ribs that Nigel Lappin had going into the 2003 grand final not ideal him I can tell in the footy world that he's got broken ribs so <laughs> that, those sorts of things were the, <laughs> the only real things that uh, uh, annoyed us you could say but no nah, he's, he oh, he's such a talented footballer I'm not sure we've ever seen a player that could kick so well on both his left and right foot and, yeah um, so- Naturally gifted. Super talent, wasn't he? Having said that, um, you know, some people said the same about you as well, that you had just this almost freakish hand-eye coordination. You were able to see things just a split second uh, before others and just your your precision under pressure um, was something that that sort of set you apart from your peers. Um, You know, please don't be humble in answering this, but, I mean, how how do compliments like that sit with you? Oh, it's, yeah, thanks. It's nice, yeah, nice to obviously hear that sort of thing. Um, I guess I would answer it by saying I think um, I played an enormous amount of um, games as a kid, um, an enormous amount of basketball, and um, I'd always say basketball, I think, is the, great, the greatest game for it, transferable skill-wise for our game and um, congested and lots of bodies around and things. And, um, and then just, just always had a lot of mates that wanted to play, like I said, whether it was three-on-three three or little handball games or whatever. And, yeah, I just feel that was really great for my development as a kid um, and 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 not, I guess, it, it transferred for me not having great leg speed that I had to get rid of the ball pretty quickly and um, and that sort of made me have to be aware of who, my surroundings and who was around me. And, and I just loved it. Like, I, you know, I, I often said it was as much enjoyment setting a goal up or putting someone into space to do something really good with the ball that was kicking a goal um, myself. I really enjoyed the creativity part of the game and yep. trying to help us get into a really dangerous position or, um, or hit mm. the scoreboard. So that was a real part I took a lot of pride in. Hey, Simon, we need to take a quick break, but after that we'll get into your triple premiership feats, your Brownlow, your Norm Smith, uh, your club best and fairest, all of those uh, accolades that you managed to acquire throughout your uh, stellar career. So uh, we'll get into that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. We'll be back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is AFL Hall of Famer Simon Black. And there's a story around uh, the timing of his uh, welcoming into the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, it involves a reality TV show appearance, but we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. We've got plenty more uh, football accomplishments to get through uh, before we get to uh, to more recent times. Uh, Simon, three premierships 
that you won. It's, it's an incredible achievement to win one. But but three, and, and I think people forget too that you guys even played in in a fourth. So you you know you come close to winning four, which is just unheard of. Um, but those three premierships, um, talk us through them. You know, how do you remember them? How how do you remember them differently? Obviously, you won a Norm Smith in one, but in terms of your your memories of each one, was the first one the most special for you? How do you see them? Yeah, they are. I guess I'd firstly say it's um, you know it takes years. I always say to to win a premiership, it's the relationships on and off the field that you've got to form. Um, and I think any any premiership side would would probably would say that that would be the be the message. Um, mm-hmm. And for for the Brisbane Lions, we we had about 80 percent of our playing list was from interstate. Uh, and so you spend a lot of time together because a lot of the guys didn't really have too many big friendship groups outside the footy club, particularly the first few years they arrived. So we were, we were a really tight-knit group. I think that was an advantage for us. Um, having Lee Matthews as our coach was obviously a fairly yeah. uh, enormously significant um, um, position that we had as a side, and he gave us great belief. Um, so to get there in 01 and, um, and come up against Essendon and the reigning premiers, um, They'd obviously, obviously, one of the year before they'd been through a powerhouse side at the time. Um, we came in at halftime against them, down by a couple of goals, but we had a real belief about us. And at halftime, and we came out in that third quarter and uh, and had a yeah, I think it might have been a, maybe a six goal quarter, and it was a it was just a, a really to answer your question, that's probably yeah the most special because it's the first and yeah. Um, the most exhilarating and um, I just remember looking around and just, just saying, oh, you know, we did it, we did it, we've done it and, and just disbelief, it was just complete euphoria. Mm. Um, and it is because it does, it takes several years, only three years earlier we'd, we'd lost to, we came last, won the wooden spoon and, um, and, and things turned around from there. But, um, yeah, it was a remarkable first one and then all of a sudden, no, two, we were, we were the red-hot favourites going into the game and um, Lee used to always say to us, he said, boys, you know, all you've done on grand final day is qualify. He said, oh, it's all you've done. You, you always have his, his pyramid at the start of each season. And, you know, X amount of games gets you in the top eight and X amount of gets the top four and you get to the prelim and all sort of thing. And, um, but I, I guess, yeah, you know, two playing Collingwood, they, um, they get, it was a really wet, damp day in 02 and it was a really tight, contested game. Um, like I said, they all are, but it being wet and slippery, it made it even more. A harder contest. Um, mm. one, one by nine points. I mean, just got over the line. That goal that Acker, Acker kicked late in the game to secure it for us was um, was amazing. And that was a sense of relief. You hear a lot of the guys in the team say because we were the red-hot favourites going into the game and, and getting really pushed hard by the Pies made it um, yeah, it was uh, it was more relief, I guess. And um, to be back-to-back premiers was pretty cool. And um, I guess you don't remember too many speeches from your, your coaches over the years, but there was one in 03, where it was our preliminary final. Um, then we played Sydney at SCG at no, Olympic Park. Um, and it was, it was three-quarter time. And the first half, we, we, we went pretty well. And, but the third quarter, the Swans just ran all over us and, and looked like they were just going to run away with the game. And um, they might have been up by just a little bit or, or something was really tight. Um, but at least said to us, he goes, goes, got us all in, goes, boys, he said, he's always talking about the man in the back of the stand and what the man in the back of the stand is seeing. And he said, I'll, I'll tell you, boys, you look like you shot the dead ducks out there. He said, they've got far more, far more run, far more energy. They're tough for the ball. Um, he said, you know, like the back of the stand says, you guys are done. He said, but make no mistake, he said, you guys right here as we stand here today, you're back-to-back premiers still. 
And he said, you're still ace. You've got 30 minutes to give yourself an opportunity to go and do what hasn't been done in this competition for a long, long time, and let's go down and win three in a row next week. So if you can find a way to drag yourselves off the canvas and find a way to dig deep, and everyone needs to do their little bit, no more, no less, you give yourself a shot of history. And it was one of those, even mm. now, just me goosebumps talking mm. about because I remember it feels like yesterday it, it happened and um, it was a really incredible special last quarter we had. A few guys had some big quarters, Martin Pike, Ash McGrath, I think Jamie Charman, and, and we managed to get over the line and, yeah, and give ourselves a crack at that third, which was, again, Collingwood. Um, but this time they were the favourites going into the grand final because they'd beaten us the first week of the finals. And, um, um, yeah, for whatever reason, they, they did have a really off day and, and it was it was by far, I guess, our most comfortable um, winning margin out of, out of the three. Um, and you had a pretty good day a, that day too, right? <laughs> In yeah, 03, Norm Smith had at 39 possessions uh, <laughs> next to your name. Uh, was that looking yeah. back? Was that was was that the individual performance of your lifetime? Uh, I think probably considering the the, the the game, the stage it was on, it probably would have to be. I'm not sure it was my my best game, but it was yeah because of the the moment. Um, I think no doubt, yeah, it was probably my best game um, or my most significant game, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those days. You know, talk about feeling like you you're in the moment. I guess that day for me was was that where I was very relaxed and very very calm. Um, Twenty someone the night before the, or the the week before in that period because um, I used to always I said earlier really struggle with nerves and someone said that like, visualization is a really powerful thing and I remember someone said to me that week write write down a hundred times what you're going to see the next day and I sort of said well, what does that mean I said write down what you're going to sort of what you think you're going to see um, leading up to the first bounce of the grand final so I actually did a sat in my bed in the hotel room and. I wrote down a hundred things that from when I woke up in the morning to the first bounce, what I'd experienced, I guess, um, the two years prior. And, um, and, and I mean, like it was, it sounds ridiculous, a hundred things. And I remember getting to 60 or 70 thinking, oh, I'm, run, I'm running out of here, but, but it just really helped me relax and really calm. And, you know, little things like a police escort, you get to the game and obviously you turn up as a hive of activity. There's all the pregame entertainment and, and all that stuff. Once you sort of visualize it, you see it, it didn't, because you want to hit the first bounce, not of you know burning nervous energy. And for me, that was around that. And that, I just remember being really calm the whole lead up and then throughout the whole game. And um, yeah, for some reason, it was the first and only time I ever did it. But um, I was really relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done a bit more. <laughs> well, like I said, the record speaks for itself. You know, you you won your third grand final in a row. You won the Norm Smith. You picked up thirty nine possessions. So maybe there was something in it. So I mean, maybe you should have done it a bit more often. <laughs> I maybe I wasn't patient enough to sit yeah. down for an hour and do it every time. <laughs> um, in terms of the the following, you guys had. I mean, extraordinary for any team to to you know to win even a back to back premiership. We've we've seen the history books show that that's that's a pretty difficult thing to do. You guys won three. You played in a fourth. Um, I suppose you were in a in a privileged position being part of a team that did that in a in a non AFL city. Did you see Brisbane uh, as a, as a city and a community really embrace football finally during those years? Yeah, absolutely, Tim. It's amazing. We, we are they're a bit fickle of Queenslanders. They jump on and they jump off pretty quick too. Um, but but it is a um, a uh, you know Brisbane Broncos rugby league town. It's massive here and yeah. rugby union. But throughout that era, we yeah, gee, we, we sort of took the back page of the paper and the leading sports news on the on the, in the news each most nights, and um, it was really really pivotal moment for the development of the, the game up here in Queensland. And 
obviously had a grand final here last year and, and a heap of a heap of footy up here with the hubs. Um, so the game is in great hands. The lines are doing strong now, but yeah, that that era back then, all the corporate boxes were were full. Um, sellout crowds of 35,000, I think the capacity the Gabba was or is. Um, it was just um, great. It was, I mean, it probably was a, was an advantage for us in a lot of respects of you know keeping our feet on the ground. Yeah, we'd won it once and then won it twice, I guess, and having a crack for the third time. That not, not a lot of people in the streets really knew or you know, knew who we were. Mm. Um, so you, you you live a normal life in a lot of ways, which certainly I think has its. You're not talking footy all the time, and it's not in your face all the time. Mm. That that certainly is uh, advantageous um, in a lot of regards. I, I would have thought so. Yeah, but yeah, to answer your question, Tim, it, it really exploded, and the Aussie numbers and the game has really flourished. Um, from that era and, and, and where we are today yeah. as well. Just before we head to a, another break, Simon, Lee Matthews, obviously a pivotal person in in your career. On a personal level, how did you go with him? He's a he's a, another strong personality, to say the very least, uh, isn't he? How did you personally go with Lee Matthews? Yeah, look, he was um, – now, now he stopped coaching. You, you, you can't shut him up. He loves a chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as a coach, he was, he was, I think it's fair to say, a little bit kind of awkward to talk to at times. Um, yeah. Just an intense guy, which I guess you've kind of got to be in some respects. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the, the amount of, I guess, life lessons. And he came from that John Kennedy, that um, – um, um, God, it's a bit of mind block. The other great – Alan Jeans. Um, yeah. Alan Jeans here at, uh, at Hawthorne. He had great tutorage and – Great mentoring, so from the greats of our game, and he had a lot of those, I guess, similar traits. And it's a lot of one liners that, that Lee um, stood by with his coaching philosophy mm. were, were life lessons. And I guess that came from Alan Jeans and uh, and, and and John Kennedy too. So uh, wonderful. And I mean, the big games, the big moments, having Lee Matthews in in your corner in your coach's box just gave our group enormous confidence. And yeah. I got no doubt he was an amazing or massive reason why we had the success in that era we did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just finally, again, <laughs> I keep promising we're going to go to a break. Um, in terms of your personal peak, I mean, we mentioned the Norm Smith in, in 2003. Um, I mentioned at the start of the show that you won three club uh, best and fairest, the, the Merritt Murray medal. Um, you won your third in 2006. I suppose if you, if, as you look at someone's, um, you know, the, the, the trajectory of their career um you know 2006 it's come a few years after your third of three premierships um was that almost a surprise to you that you were still able to to win a club best and fairest when you were getting you know towards the latter stages of your career oh no i mean i was only i played for seven years after 2006 mm. um so i i mean i was i was only what was i 27 maybe in in 2006 i in some respects i guess i was in, in the peak of my physical capability mm. um and and guys like myself and luke power and jonathan brown our, our premiership era was um we were really young men really young men in that in that side so um you know you, you often hear i remember you know, shane crawford he, he won his in his last year didn't he and, and that's and true some guys win it late in their career and I, I was lucky to win mine early in some respects you wouldn't mind winning it later in your career too on the way out but um but yeah, to 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 um, answer your question, yeah, I guess I was yeah I was twenty seven in two thousand six, yeah. and um, I, I I that's yeah. remiss of me to to forget how young you were when you were 
when you won your premierships, I suppose. Um, yeah, so no, you're quite right. You're, you're right in the in the sweet spot there. Um, Simon, we need to take another break, but after that, I want to ask you what on earth compelled you to sign up for Australian Survivor? Let's do it, yeah. If you've even got an answer for that yet. <laughs> this is Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. Uh, Simon, let's just uh, finish off uh, our reflections on your uh, career. 322 games. Uh, as I mentioned um, at, the, at the start of the program, your, your list of accolades puts you in uh, almost peerless company there. Um, at the end of those 322, every single one of them at the one club, when did you know it was time? 322 was enough. You were done. Yeah, Tim, I wanted to play one more year and I had to clean up knee surgery and uh, my right knee and the surgeon um, after I wake up came in and said, Simon, he said, look, to be honest, there's a lot more going on in your knee that, than, we, than the MRI scan suggested. Um, if you want to be active in your 40s and 50s, then football's no longer for you. So it's pretty blunt um, and I kind of knew when he, as soon as it came out of his mouth that I had to retire um mine would have been more difficult i was playing for hawthorne at the time we flying tim but <laughs> us lines were struggling but yeah look in all seriousness it was the decision i had to make right there and then it took me a few weeks to i guess get my head around it and um and announce it but yeah that was uh, that was the time and i had a, such a great run my body was so good to me and um i was very fortunate and that was the the right time yeah and the, the club was so super keen to have you still there at the club in a coaching capacity was was that a, an easy transition for you to make? Yeah, it was probably a soft trans, transition, wasn't it? Going from playing to coaching, particularly at the same club, and um, I really enjoyed it. We, we were very young and had a lot of injuries, and um, Lepper, the coach, Justin Lepich, had a an uphill battle to sort of make us competitive at the time. But um, yeah, it was it was enjoyable, um, but. Um, I, uh, I had my own business, which was taking a fair bit of time and um, sort of put my name to it. So that was what I had to sort of step out and, and, and put my time and energy into. Yeah. Well, tell us about the, the Simon Black Academy. Uh, how did that start yeah. and, and what do you hope to achieve with it? It's an education and football program. We've partnered with Torrens University and um, do a Bachelor of Business in Sports Management or a Diploma in Sports Development. Um, and the morning, the aim part of the day is our football and athletics program and the afternoon's the, um, the academic side. So we've got a program here in, in Perth based at Murdoch University and um, Gary O'Donnell, our former, or well, the former Essendon uh, player and captain, is the coach and mentor there along with Kelly Gibson, the AFLW Eagles player. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, a, it's, it's I guess it's around mentoring and guiding um, young males and females straight out of school it's for school leader age bracket and it's around trying to help um, guide them giving them a bit of direction and a bit of purpose in their lives with a with an academic course um, attached to it as well yeah brilliant and and tell us about um you know being a coach part of the the coaching setup uh, at brisbane i mean how have you found it obviously you haven't been able to uh, rediscover the the incredible success that you had as a player uh, in the early 2000s but um, you know different kinds of rewards that come with uh, being part of the the coaching team how do you how do you reflect on that yeah look 
you've only got a certain capabilities a group haven't you and sometimes that might be winning a premiership and other times it might be finishing eighth or even tenth you know sort of thing so it's about, about trying to get each individual fulfilling their their capability at, at any time of their journey of their footy journey so uh look i've really enjoyed working with with young young players whether it's AFL level or in my academy program but yeah the lines it's been nice to see their development and see them come on and be really competitive now and Hopefully they're at the next at the stage of taking the next step and, and making a grand final this year. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a real nice thing, I guess, to be able to try to impart you a little bit of knowledge from the game onto to younger players and, and sort of make help make them um, you know better footballers. Um, last year, you were welcomed into the AFL Hall of Fame uh, as as moments of pride go. Um, how does that one rank? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's it's probably the the biggest um, award I've I've had at the culmination of your career to to look back a few years after it and and be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's yeah, it's obviously pretty special. Um, something I never never expected. Uh, I would have been ha- happy to play a few games for Brisbane when I got drafted and, and gone back and played freshman on the waffle. Really, I, I thought that's probably what would have happened. But um, yeah, it's amazing if you commit yourself and work reasonably hard that you can, you know, can yeah have a bit of fortune on the way. So look, it's, yeah, it's, I played in a great team for a few years. I was lucky to get a few individual awards on the way and um, that probably helps with all that sort of thing. But uh, no, look, it's, it's great, mate. It's, it's a, it's a great, great honor, obviously. Um, and, and I have to say that you were initially earmarked for, um, for the hall of fame in, in 2019, but that was, that was put off for 12 months because, uh, you were away at the time filming a reality TV show, uh, Australian Survivor. Um, how did that invitation come about and, and why on earth did you accept it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, oh, look, the first thing I will say, it's one of the best things I've ever done. It yeah, right. Amazing experience. Uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, it came through my brother's wife's side of the family, um, um, a connection there as a casting agent for Ender Shine, the production company for Survivor and um and look yeah i i got asked or asked to meet the producers in sydney and had always been a fan of, of survivor and i mean in fact that the, the theme i did was champions versus contenders and that same theme was a the year before and i remember sitting on the couch and my wife said if they ever asked you would you do it and i, I said yeah hell yeah <laughs> then they asked me, I'm like, oh, God, she obviously didn't manage now. to talk so, you out of it then <laughs> Yeah, well, she wasn't thrilled that I was away for eight weeks and three kids at home, but, um, <laughs> but no, look, it was it was an amazing experience. It is it is what you sort of see on TV in terms of they only give you rations of rice and beans. Uh, you sleep under the shelter that you build. Um, you know, it, it is it is it is physically challenging. I lost nine kilos in the forty two days I was in the game, and I learned so much about myself as, yeah. as a footballer. You're pretty well pampered with nutrition and sleep and rest but out there you don't get great sleep and you certainly don't get a whole lot of food so it was a and also just to be able to participate in the challenges mm. um when i when i got blindsided and <laughs> kicked out of the game i was most disappointed about not being able to participate in the challenges that, yeah. were, uh, that were that were still in the game but uh what yeah, about all the amazing experience. the lying and the deceit and the alliances and the backstabbing how did you go with all of that yeah well you become a part of your environment um, yeah I always thought I'd try and play it, you know, sort of you do what you say you're going to do to build trust and, you know, and things. But at some point you've got to, you know, that, that only gets you so far. And um, in, in hindsight, I should have had it been a rat with a gold tooth a little bit earlier <laughs> in the game, I think, because it probably cost me in the end. But, um, 
but no, nah, look, it's yeah, that, that's you become a part of your environment and you learn to sort of tap dance and it's all a numbers game, right? So you just yeah. got to try to, as best you can, be in the numbers. And um, but it was a, it was an incredible experience. Just uh, and I often say as well, just not having technology, not having a mobile phone on you for mm. for um, for six weeks is a real treat. And it's a win in the itself. ocean every day. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just it was amazing. Simon, we are out of time, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, thankfully uh, you didn't get blindsided by your own teammates when you were uh, actually playing for real uh, on the footy field at the Brisbane Lions. Um, can I just say again, congratulations on a phenomenal career, uh, 322 games, as I mentioned, uh, Norm Smith, Brownlow medal, triple premierships, three best and fairest, the list goes on and on. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, on the program. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Tim. It's been really nice to chat, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, please come back to WA. Sometime soon. I'm sure both <laughs> yeah, clubs would welcome you. They'll put, <laughs> put a bit of work in with my bloody Queenslander wife, don't yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it with you. <laughs> You've been listening to Inspiring yeah. Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We'll look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.